0: guys. Now, this week and next week, I'm doing a two-part sermon series on the third most important day in your life. Uh, You may wonder, well, if it's the third most important day, what's the first most important day? Well, the first most important day of your life is not your birthday. In our culture, we make a big deal out of your birthday. You go to a restaurant, they'll sing to you poorly and give you a free dessert. But uh, the most important day of your life is not your birthday, it's, it's your life day. It's not the day you were born, it's actually the day you were conceived. We don't talk about that much in our culture. Uh, but it's that miraculous moment when your parents connected and God strung together your DNA in such a way that it determined the way you would look, the way you would think, the way you would feel, the way you would walk, Way you would talk, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your eye color, hair color, shoe size. I mean, at at conception, the Bible says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. Most important day of your life because that's the day that you as a person came to be. Now, there are lots of unplanned parents, but there are no unplanned children. And God has a plan for every child is conceived, most important day of your life. Second most important day is the day that you trust Christ to save you. Uh, that's the day of your spiritual birth. That's the day when you're born again. First Peter one twenty three contrasts the physical and spiritual birth. He says, "'For you have been born again. Your new life did not come from your earthly parents, because the life they gave you will end in death.'" But this new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal, living, what? Word of God. Yeah. You know, at conception, you receive the gift of physical life. At conversion, when you trust in Christ, you receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, Second, first and second most important days of your life. Your conception, your conversion. So what's the third most important day in your life? First day of school? uh, The day you get your driver's license? Uh, How about the day you graduate from high school or college? Maybe your first day on the job? Maybe your last day on the job? Uh, Your wedding day? The day you die? And those are all important days, to be sure. But the truth is, every day is an important day because of what happens on the third most important day of your life. Third most important day of your life is the day when Christ will judge what you have done with your life. Hebrews 9.27 says man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. What is it that awaits a believer after death? It's judgment. It's the judgment seat of Christ. What is it that will determine your role and your responsibilities in heaven? It's the judgment seat of Christ. Your physical life begins at conception. Your spiritual life begins at conversion. And for the believer, your physical and your spiritual life culminate at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is an extremely important day in the life of the believer. Now, heaven will be a wonderful place. Heaven is the hope of every believer. And we gain entrance into heaven on the basis of our faith in Christ's work for us. It's not by many works we have done. Paul makes that perfectly clear in Ephesians 2.8. He says, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the Bible makes it adamantly clear that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by our faith in Christ. But immediately after that, the the Bible makes it clear that while we are not saved by our works, we are saved to do good works. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Our faith determines our salvation. Our works determine our sanctification. You know, salvation is not the goal of the Christian life. Salvation is the start of the Christian life. Sanctification is the goal of the Christian life. And Scripture plainly tells us that there will be a judgment of believers. Not simply a judgment based on our faith. Not simply a judgment to determine if we're in or out. No. A judgment that will determine for all eternity certain aspects of our place and position in heaven. How you live your life matters. And mean, scripture repeatedly states that all men will be judged and rewarded for their works. Proverbs 24, for God knows all hearts and he sees you. He keeps watch over your soul and he knows you new and he will judge all people according to what they have done. Ecclesiastes 12.14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, the unbelievers' works will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And we find that in Revelation 20.12. It says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Okay, that's a judgment for unbelievers. But the believer won't be judged at the great white throne judgment. The believer is judged at the judgment seat of Christ. It happens at a different time to totally different events. Revelation 2.23, Jesus, now here he's speaking to Christians. He says, I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Scripture teaches with unmistakable clarity that all believers in Christ will give an account of their lives to the Lord. Romans 14. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We will be judged by him according to our works, both good and And bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And the result of this judgment isn't a determination between heaven and hell. The result of this judgment is the gain or loss of eternal rewards. The the process of this judgment is laid out in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. It says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation, that's the foundation of your faith in Christ, if anyone builds on the foundation of their faith in Christ with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. That means it will be revealed for what it is. For the day, that's the judgment seat of Christ, will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. You know, you take gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, and you put them into a fire, what happens? Well, the wood, hay, and straw are burnt up. There's nothing left. But gold, silver, and precious stones, those are refined by the fire they come out more pure, more valuable. It says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This isn't a judgment to determine whether a person is saved or not. This is a judgment to determine the level of rewards that a saved person will receive. And at the judgment seat of Christ, your life will pass through the refiner's fire and all the junk, all the worthless stuff will be burnt up and the gold, silver, and precious stones will be revealed. Now at this judgment, some people will come out of this fire with significant rewards that will last throughout eternity. Some people will come out of this fire with only their salvation I mean, they'll be standing there. Everything has gone up in smoke. They're there, scorched and burnt, smiling because they're in heaven. But that's all they got. And there's everything in between because each of us will be judged according to our works. Now, God's word treats this judgment with great sobriety. And it does not portray this just as a meaningless formality. It's not just some going through the motions uh, before we get on to the real business of heavenly bliss. You know, Scripture presents it as a monumental event in which things of eternal significance are brought to light and things of eternal consequence go into effect. You know, each one's work will be judged. Now, our works are what we have done with our resources, our time, energy, talent, money, possessions, the way that we have responded to every test, trial, tribulation, circumstance in our life. And the fire of God's holiness will reveal the quality of these works. And the fate of our works will be determined by their nature. You know, if they're made of the right stuff, gold, silver, precious stones, they will withstand to be purified by the fire... And we will receive a reward. But if they're wood, hay, and straw, they just burn up under the incendiary gaze of Jesus Christ. Now next week, I'm going to talk to you about the difference between wood, hay, and straw, and gold, silver, and precious stones. But uh, this week, I want us just to focus on the idea of this judgment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, as believers, we often fall into the trap of thinking that heaven is to cure all. Heaven is to fix it all for our problems. We think we can live life however we want down here. If we just believe in Jesus, then when we get to heaven, all the bad stuff is going to be forgotten and all the good stuff just gets better. But life and eternity are more complex than that. And the Bible doesn't let us off the hook that easily. In fact, the Bible clearly and repeatedly says that believers are going to be judged for their works, whether good or bad. Uh, there's a disturbing passage in Colossians 3.25 that it says not only will they receive reward from Christ for their good works, but look at this. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Now, we struggle with this because if Christ has paid the penalty for our sin, and 1 John 1, nine says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's happening here at this judgment? Well, the judgment of believers by Christ is a judgment of our works. It's not a judgment of our sins. And there's a distinction between our works and our sins. Now, the commission of sin and the omission of righteous acts that we know we should do and don't do, both of those affect what happens to our reward at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, sins contribute directly to the believer's suffering loss, a loss of reward. And what we do as believers, both good and bad, will one way or another affect our eternity. Now, next week, I'm also going to talk about this issue of forgiveness. Uh, You know, if we're going to be prepared for the judgment seat of Christ, we've got to understand the the process of forgiveness, and I'm going to cover that next week. Some of you are thinking, now, why didn't I just come next week? But you need some of this foundation. Uh, There is a lot of misunderstanding and wishful thinking about our sin and about our works. Uh, We've come to believe that our works aren't important to God. We have fooled ourselves into thinking that whatever bad I do, God is simply going to nullify it or negate it in the end. You know, if I did something that was good, I'll get a little heavenly treat. If I did something that was bad, it's just going to be whitewashed and forgotten. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches over and over again that whatever you do in life, good, bad, worthless, Is extremely important to God. In Revelation 19, 7 through 8, it says this It says, The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It's time for the wedding. Christ the bridegroom, the church the bride. It's time for the wedding. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Now, there's a couple of surprises in this verse. We might have expected it to say that Christ makes the bride ready. It doesn't say that. It says the bride has made herself ready. We might have expected the fine linen would stand for the righteousness of Christ or maybe for the righteous faith of the saints. It doesn't say that. It says the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. See, the one reason why your good works matter is because you are part of the church. You are part of the bride of Christ. And your good works are contributing to the wedding gown that the bride will wear on the day she is presented to Jesus Christ. Now that's just pretty amazing. Your works don't just count for you. They count for all of us in the bride of Christ. And when someone who's part of the bride of Christ doesn't do all that they are called to do by Christ, the bride of Christ gets cheated. The splendor of the wedding gown is diminished because we haven't done our part. You know, somewhere we've gotten this erroneous idea that to God works is a dirty word. Or that to strive for rewards in heaven is an act of pride or selfishness. You know, we think we're being more humble when we aren't focused on rewards. We think it's a humble statement to say, oh, I'll just be happy to be in heaven. But these heavenly rewards aren't just about you. They are about the church and about the glory of Christ. And when you waste your life or squander your rewards and wind up standing at the judgment seat as if you've been saved by fire, it's not just that you lost your rewards. You have diminished The bride of Christ. It's not just that you get a little smaller mansion or maybe just a shack in the corner of heaven. No, the potential that God had for you, the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, did not get done. And therefore, the reward is lost, the glory of the church is diminished. That's why what you do with your life is so important. Now, God condemns works that are done to try and earn salvation. God condemns works that are done to impress other people or to puff ourselves up. But God commends works, righteous works, done for the right reason. You know, it's not by accident that immediately after saying that our salvation is not by works, it's not by accident that Paul goes on to say we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You know, salvation is a matter of God's work for man. The reward is a matter of man's work for God. And Satan loves for us to get those flipped. And one of the reasons why there's so much confusion on this is Satan loves for you to think that you must try to work your way into heaven. Because he knows you can't. He knows it won't work. And getting you to believe that you can work your way into heaven is Satan's way of keeping you out of heaven. But if you don't buy that life, instead you choose to believe in Christ, then Satan tries you to get you to think that your works don't matter. Because if he can't keep you out of heaven with the first lie, he can at least rob you of your reward and diminish the church, the bride of Christ, with the second lie. But the Bible says that God has a lifetime of good works prepared in advance for each of us to do. And God will reward us according to whether or not we do them. Now, this idea of God judging sin and rewarding good works fits in with the character of God. I mean, it's just, it just fits the character of God. Now, we kind of get the idea that a judge needs to judge sin, but we don't understand that it is, it is honoring to God's character when He rewards us for when we do the right thing. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. It is honoring the character of God to see that He needs to give us these rewards because He's just. And the passage that follows there in Hebrews 6 tells us that if we're going to inherit God's promised blessings, we can't become lazy. We've got to be diligent to do our God-given works. Now, Matthew 25, 21, Jesus tells us that He will say to some believers, not all, but to some believers, well done good and faithful servant. Now, it's significant there that he does not say, well said. He does not say, well believed. He says, well done. You know, it's not just a matter that we can articulate the faith and speak the truth. It's not just a matter that we believe the truth. It is a matter that we have done the truth. Uh, And the the story of the judgment, of separation between the sheep and the goats. What separates the sheep from the goats is what they did and did not do with their time, their money, their possessions, what God had given them. 2 Peter 1.10 says, If you do these things, then you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says it's an if-then if you do these things, then you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. I mean, that's just a powerful encouragement to the godly believer who has sacrificed in this life to prepare for the next. That's a promise that in heaven there awaits a great welcoming committee, there awaits a hearty well done. But this welcome and reward is not automatic for believers, it's conditional. It's if, then. Peter says, if you do what the Bible says, then you will receive this rich reward. Now, our eternal destination, uh, heaven and hell, our eternal destination is determined by our faith. Our eternal station in either place is determined by our works. I mean, that's just how important they are. You know, my God-given resources of time, talent, and treasure have immense eternal potential. Now, as evangelicals, we reject the doctrine of a second chance for unbelievers. We, we reject the idea that there is an opportunity after death to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We equally reject the idea that there's a second chance for believers after death. Uh, there's no second chance after death to make up for what we have and have not done. There's no second chance beyond this earth for the unbeliever to believe right. And there's no second chance for the disobedient Christian to behave right. You know, this this life ends at death. We can't do it over again. You can't retake the course of life. You can't do extra credit to move a D to a B. You know, basketball game is over at the final buzzer. You take a shot after the buzzer, it doesn't count. Once you pass through the veil of death, it's over. And if we failed to use our time, energy, and possessions for eternity, we failed. And we've lost the reward. Now, it's not so simple as saying, well, I'll be in heaven and that's all that matters. And the Bible speaks of loss of reward as a great and terrible loss. And the fact that we're still saved is only a clarification, not a consolation. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. There's no consolation there. That's just clarifying. He made it. The receiving of reward from Christ is an unspeakable gain with eternal implications. And the loss of reward is a terrible loss with equally eternal implications. I mean, how dare I say that being in heaven is all that matters to me when there is so much more that matters to God? And God is the one who wants you to receive the rewards. God in verse after verse after verse commands us to store up treasure in heaven, to persevere through the difficult times, to put off sin and put on holiness with the hope that we will receive eternal reward. To simply say, oh, I don't care about that, I just want to get into heaven, that that in fact is to rebel against the one who made it possible for you to get into heaven in the first place. Bottom line is that what we do in this life is of eternal importance. And it begins with your choice to follow Christ. But it does not end there. It begins there. And what you do with your time, your money, your resources is your spiritual autobiography. It is the screenplay of your life, written by you, with the pen of faith and the ink of works. And one day, that screenplay is going to be shown unedited at the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be shown in front of the angels and all the believers and Christ and God himself. And when we see what we have done with our life in light of eternity, we're going to realize that even the little choices that we make every day were extremely important. The scripture doesn't teach what so many of us seem to assume, that heaven will transform us all into equal beings with equal possessions, equal responsibilities, equal capabilities. It, it does not say anywhere in the Bible that our earthly lives will be of no eternal significance. In fact, it says just the opposite. The Bible clearly tells us that in the new heaven and in the new earth, that that those places will be populated and structured according to what has been done in this life. And we might hope that what happens at the judgment seat will just be of temporary concern to the judge. That all of the disobedience and the missed opportunities of this life won't make any difference. But think about it. You know, will God make everyone equal in heaven? Will God overlook a life of selfishness and disobedience? And also overlook a life of selflessness and faith? Where's the justice in that? And the Bible says that's not going to be the case. We have been given fair warning that each of us will one day face a judgment, a judgment administered by the fairest and strictest judge in the universe. And how seriously we take this clear teaching of Scripture is demonstrated by how seriously we are preparing for that day. It's interesting. Three most important days of your life. Your conception, your conversion, and your judgment. And what's interesting about them is is that you played no part in your conception. Most important day in your life, you played no part in it. You had no control over your DNA. You didn't get to decide when you would be born, where you would be born, how you would be born. You didn't pick your race. You didn't pick your looks. You didn't pick your gifts, talents, and abilities. You played no part in the most important day of your life. It was all done for you by God through your parents. Second most important day of your life, your conversion. Jesus Christ did all the work for you. You're not saved by what you have done or will do. You are simply saved by trusting in what Christ has already done for you. And yes, you must make the decision your, your eternal destination is up to you. I mean, you can reject Christ and face an eternity separated from Christ in hell, or you can accept Christ and spend eternity with Christ enjoying heaven. The choice is yours. But the work wasn't done by you, it was done by Christ. If you've never settled your eternal destination, I'd encourage you to settle that matter today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never done that, this is your moment. This is your day, right here, right now. Now, the third most important day of your life, the judgment seat of Christ. It's different than your conception. It's different than your conversion because you get to determine what happens on that day. What happens on that day is not determined by other people. What happens on that day is not even determined by God. What happens on that day is determined by you. So how do I prepare for that day? How do I get ready for the judgment seat of Christ? How do I make sure I hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Well, we must study God's word. We must study God's Word to find the directions for living. You know, when we find out what God wants us to be and to do, then we need to carefully plan our lives according to His Word and live life in light of that certain day of judgment. You know, a moment after we've died, we will know exactly how we wish we would have lived. But it will be too late to go back and live it all over again. But God in His Word, thankfully, We don't have to wait until we die to sort all this out. We can find out now what He wants us to do and how to store up for ourselves great rewards in heaven. You know, that's why we're gearing up to spend 40 days together learning how to discover for ourselves from God's Word what God wants each one of us to do. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ to save you, uh, in just a minute I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation where where you can make that choice right here, right now. And if you're here today and you're already a believer, I want to encourage you to sign up for 40 Days in the Word, small group study, so that you can love God's Word, learn God's Word, and live God's Word, so that you can receive eternal rewards in heaven. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to trust in Christ as your Savior, I invite you just to follow along as I pray, just in the quietness of your own heart and mind. You don't have to pray this out loud. God God will hear you. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life today. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me for all the wrong I have done and forgive me for all the right that I have failed to do. I accept you as my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the new life that you give to me. If you're a believer here today, I just invite you to pray and say, Jesus, I thank you for the work of salvation that you've done in my life. I thank you for the hope of heaven that comes from trusting in you. I thank You for the promise that You will be with me, that You will empower me for whatever I encounter in life. Lord, help me to live my life according to Your Word. Help me to surrender my will to Yours so that You can be glorified and so that I can store up treasures in heaven. Jesus, I don't want to be ashamed on the day of judgment. I don't want You to be ashamed of me on the day of judgment. I want my life to be a testimony of your grace. I want to reap great and rich reward for you. So help me to set aside my sin and help me to walk in your will and your word. In Jesus' name we pray.